the undieting of the brain, it takes a while, right? It's not an automatic thing, especially if that's the way you've been thinking about weight loss for decades and decades and decades. This process can help you unravel it permanently. What if it were possible to achieve your goal weight and stay there permanently without dieting? Welcome to the Stop Dieting Forever podcast, where you will discover the key components that most diets won't tell you because they want you to keep coming back. Not here. This is your last stop on the weight loss struggle bus. I am your host, Jennifer Dent Brown, life and weight loss coach, and I am going to show you how to stop dieting forever. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Lux Lifer, welcome to episode 89. This is your certified life and weight loss coach, Jennifer Dent Brown from jenniferdent.com. And today I want to share a story of transformation, amazing story of transformation with you. So for those of you who have been listening to the podcast and following the Stop Dieting Forever process, I really think it's important for you to hear the experience of other people who have followed the process and have made it work for them. So in today's episode, you're going to hear from Lux Cipher, Amy LaLiberty. She's been overweight since the age of three, and she developed a terrible body image of herself by the time she was a preteen. And even though she was an athlete in high school, her height, she's 5'10", and her athletic build diminished her confidence and kept her thinking that something was wrong with her body. So fast forward a couple of decades, she was in her early 40s when she came to work with me and she was over 200 pounds and stuck in a cycle of low-grade self-criticism, which caused her to make poor food choices that kept her overweight. How many of you can relate to that? Now, her story of transformation is not only inspiring, it's downright amazing. In the process of losing 15 pounds without dieting, you will hear how Amy completely shifted her dieter's mindset and her thoughts about her body. You're going to hear how Amy moved from her 1.0 version of herself and how she is stepping into the 2.0 version of herself simply by undieting her brain by following the Stop Dieting Forever process. So if you've ever been your own worst enemy when it comes to your body and your ability to lose weight, I want you to listen to this interview carefully. I want you to save it. I want you to go back and listen to it again and again and again. I want you to write down the thoughts from Amy's 2.0 brain, and I want you to borrow them and begin using them as your own on a consistent basis. I want you to see what a true example of true transformation looks like. Okay. So for more information about the Stop Dieting Forever process, you can go to my website, jenniferdent.com and sign up for my free weight loss system. And while you're there, you can sign up and join the 30-day bootcamp wait list so you have a chance to go through the Stop Dieting Forever process over a 30-day period with me as your coach and along with a cohort of other amazing humans. All right, go to jenniferdent.com and sign up for both of those things. Enjoy this conversation I have with Amy. And I will see you in the next episode. Hello, Amy La Liberté or La Liberty. However you want to I just call like me. to say La Liberté because that's what it looks like. It looks very fancy. That's because I'm really fancy. You are. <laughs> you are. Well, I would like to welcome you to the Stop Dieting Forever podcast as an official Lux Lifer who has lost some weight without dieting. Mm-hmm. I have. Super excited to have you here. So I know that the listeners love to hear people's stories because it's always, you know, you hear me talking all the time about my weight loss journey, but it's always fascinating and interesting and relatable when you can hear someone else's journey. So I wanted to invite you onto the podcast so you can tell 
everyone how you lost 15 pounds without dieting, following the stop dieting forever process. So first of all, let's like be official. You introduce yourself, Mm -hmm. tell everyone who you are, what you do, Mm -hmm. and then how you discovered me. Okay. My name is Amy La Liberty. I will not say it the fancy way, although I should. Ame la liberté. Anyway, oh, there you that's go. How I pronounce it. So I am the owner of my virtual CFO, which is a online bookkeeping CFO mindset coaching business for six and seven figure business owners, and I've been doing that for the last six years. And essentially, my goal is to help my clients create a relationship with money. And I do that in some very tactical, obvious ways like bookkeeping, forecasting, profit first. And then we also talk about like the mindset work that comes with it. So that's my professional story. And then my... I just have to interject and say that you're very good at what you do because you are my CFO and you have helped me immensely over, I guess, about a little over a year we've been working together getting the money thing situated. So coaches out there, if you're looking for a CFO (laughs) or someone to help you with your financial situations, definitely check the show notes and look up Amy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Okay. So now I want to talk about first how you and I met, and then I will get into like my weight loss journey. So you and I met through a group coaching program through Lauren Cash's Cultivate Margin program. We were in the same cohort. And I just remember being in your group, being always super impressed by you. You had just, I think, relaunched this podcast. And I remember listening to it. And the first thing that just stuck with me was get off the weight loss struggle bus. And I'm like, I'm like in for all of this. And at that point, I felt like the weight loss struggle boss was something I could so relate to because I had identified as someone who's always struggled with my weight for my entire life. I can remember being a three-year-old and being like a chubby three-year-old kid. I loved eating. I loved food. I had no problem with eating my siblings' food after they were done with it. And so I just always was someone who like never felt thin. I never identified as thin. I've never described myself as thin. And I don't think I've ever was described as someone who was thin. And even well into my adult life, I remember like professionally before I had my business, I worked with colleges and universities creating like 50, $100 million campaigns, working with very ultra wealthy people and having like even some of those people in an, I never got offended by it, but it was like, oh, she's a big girl. I mean, I'm five foot 10, like I'm tall and I'm, there's nothing small. Like I don't identify as anything small about me. And I think I will say until our work together, I always viewed not being small as a problem. And it's just sort of like, I'm a tall woman. I am someone who has always had a curvier body. And I thought that that was a problem, largely because I am a child of the 80s and a teen of the 90s. And my daughters, I have three kids, two of them are daughters. They're watching Friends right now. And I just am always like looking. I'm like, no wonder why I was always so insecure. Those ladies were very thin. And I was not. Isn't it crazy (laughs) how we... And I find this a lot with clients in our age group of like how we allow the media and magazine covers and TV shows, TV personalities to shape our own thoughts about ourselves Mm -hmm. and our own thoughts about our bodies and our shapes. And so now like your daughters now are in that generation where it's like body confidence is a thing and Self-love is more common and and lots of the advertising now, which I love has women of all different shapes and sizes and colors. Mm -hmm. It's much more diverse. So they're going to get that difference. But I think we still have a long way to go. We do a hundred percent. One of the things that I started doing with just, I do a lot of online shopping for like clothing 
And whenever I go to websites, I really try to look for body inclusivity in terms of their models, because I can remember being a teen feeling so insecure over the fact that I was not a size zero. I think I was a size zero at like 10, <laughs> you know, like I don't think I was ever a, a size zero. <laughs> no, I don't even know. I'm making that up. But I just remember <laughs> always feeling like out of place because I was always so much taller than my friends. I was never the same size and just always feeling super embarrassed of the fact that I needed a size 10 or 12 or like 8, 10, 12. And like they needed a size two and like I didn't share clothes or anything like that. And that just, I think it sent into my brain the thoughts of like, I don't belong. Like I didn't feel like part of the group because I didn't look the same way as like my, my friends did. And then the other thing I probably should mention as well is that I was a competitive swimmer for 12 years. And so I think that also just like magnified like how different, like I had a very athletic build, you know, and just so like, again, shopping for a prom dress was not an easy thing because I just, I have a different build. So thanks, Serena and Venus Williams made the athletic build cool and sexy. But before that, it was not cool and sexy. No, no. (laughs) But I think that what happened was I tried to catch myself from using words like I struggled with my weight. I was not in relationship with my weight as a number because my brain was like, I don't fit this bill of what is supposed to be acceptable. And so I had done all the things, the Weight Watchers, the like starving myself, the shakes, the bars the paleo. I mean, like whatever we've done them all. Right. And I just remember I had lost in 2019, I had lost 30 pounds. And I remember you and I met in 2020. And then I remember like going to one of your six day, like live training. Oh yeah. I did the free boot camp. Yeah. That was when the boot camp was free five days. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, if I gain all of the weight back that I had lost in like the year before, I'll reach out to Jennifer. And it was like, that happened. That's exactly what happened. And I was like, well, I should have just reached out to her at the time that like I participated in the thing, because at that point I had like gained 15 pounds at that point. Oh, I that same thought of like, well, when I get to this point, then I'll reach out and then I'll like sign up for the boot camp or I'll, you know, message Jennifer and see what I can do to lose the weight. It's like mm-hmm. almost you have to like, I think it just gives your brains a mental time to like get ready for weight loss. It's like you're just giving yourself kind of like this fake buffer. It's like when I get to this point, side note, I remember mm-hmm. one time with my sister-in-law, she wanted to lose weight and I was like, oh, I'll support you. And so we were going to join this boot camp of like a fitness boot camp of someone that we knew. And I remember like going to the orientation and she's like, okay, this is great. She's like, but I got to lose 10 pounds first before I can start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she was like dead serious. Mm-hmm. And so I was yeah. like, um, you're here because you want to lose a 10 pounds plus. And I was like, this can help you mm-hmm. get on the right path. So it's just interesting. Our brains will offer... All the excuses, it seemed like it's a really good idea to delay this a little bit longer. And it seems like a great idea at the time, but it's like, wait a second. Is that something I really want to do? Is just push it out further if you know that you really want to lose the weight? Well, and that, and I think that some of it also was, I had weighed another, I would say 15 pounds of when you and I started working together, I had weighed another 15 pounds at some point in the past. Right. And so that weight in my brain, that was unacceptable, but I think where the boot camp, and then when you and I started working together, I think that that 15 pounds was sort of like, Oh, I'm okay. And I think that it was sort of like that, like my self-concept was okay with being that way until it wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. And I think once I started hitting like at the higher end of that number, I was like, I did it again. And I just wanted to not have this like adversarial relationship with losing weight. Like I'm not in any rush or hurry. I want to do this in a way that felt super intentional and felt permanent and that I didn't make it like such a problem. So there was just so much, I think, thought work that I had to really get around with the weight 
And I think I initially went in with like, okay, I can eat this, this, and this, like almost like restricted dieting again. But like, that was such the default thinking of like, okay, this is like how you do a diet. And I, I don't want to turn around and like, tell you, like, I have permanently undieted my brain because I feel like still, like I find myself flipping the back of like any sort of label and like reading the labels. And that's just sort of like that default thing, but I don't make it like, oh, you did it again, but more of like, oh my gosh, you're so silly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The undieting of the brain, it takes a while, right? It's not an Mm -hmm. automatic thing, especially if that's the way you've been thinking about weight loss for decades and decades and decades. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure when you started your first diet, but if you've been thinking like, oh, I have to restrict myself. And this is what I find with my boot campers during the first week when we go over like the eating plan, I'm like, look, this is not a diet. Make mm-hmm. sure your eating plan is realistic. But a lot of us is when it defaults to like, oh, grilled chicken breast, steamed broccoli. Like that's what I'm going to eat because I believe that's what I think I need to eat to lose the weight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you going to be eating steamed broccoli and grilled chicken breast for the rest of your life or at least for the next whatever month? Probably not. So you might as well make your eating plan something that you enjoy eating, something that's realistic, something that doesn't feel difficult. A hundred percent agreed. And I like just how you create, like, how do you like the columns of food that you decide on? And again, I think that there was like a good chunk of like the first part of our time together was spent realizing these core thoughts for me, which is food is neutral. The Mm. number on this scale is neutral. And it's so funny about the scale one, because this is the same concept that I work with my clients with when it comes to money. And I have no problem. I look at what the number is, wherever it is. And I'm like, okay, that number is neutral. But when it came to the scale, it did not feel neutral until like, I really like practice that like thought that's now a belief. Like this number is neutral. It's a point of measurement. It's informational. It is, doesn't have any tie to my worthiness or my ability to be loved, to love myself or to receive love and everything. But those are things that did not, I don't feel like I entered our time together really feeling like I had solid, intentional, like belief structures around that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't. And that was like my experience, you know, when I was on my weight loss journey, the yo-yo dieting, it's like that number on the scale, it would like ruin a good week. Definitely could ruin the next 24 hours. So once you are able to look, get on the scale in the morning and look at that number and say, you know what? I'm still fabulous. I'm still amazing. I'm still the wonderful person that I am, regardless of what that number on the scale says. That's like the beginning part of like practicing that self-love and really be like, you know what? I love myself regardless of what that number on the scale is. But for so many of us dieters, like we let that number rule the day. And it's so unfortunate when that happens. So one of the things that I teach in the process is like, like Amy said, the number is neutral, 100%. It's just data. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is just, we talked a lot about how, like, I just, my default thinking always went into like problemville. So it was always like, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. And it was like, well, is it? though and really poking holes at everything just feeling like it was this problem like oh I gained two pounds I think even like the other thing that like I choose to remind myself on is this whole idea of the averages because I'll look at something from like one day to the next and I know like we would always go back and you're like, well, your averaging is fantastic. And, and it was always so like, wait, what? And everything. Cause I just didn't like, I always just look at it a day to day to day day, which is interesting. Cause you're a money person. So I figured, you know, you'd be calculating to the exact decimal point, you know, every week, yes. but it's still just that, like that dieters mindset of like day to day and the weight fluctuations mean a whole lot when you're mm-hmm. thinking in that way. Yeah. And really just trying to get out of that. Like, I think that was something, and I keep 
using my hands. Like I felt like Problemville was up top. And then I remembered like a few sessions where we were talking about trampoline, where it's like you then realize it. So you go down and then you bounce back up into Problemville. But the fact that you're able to go down into like, this is not a problem, just being like, you know, stepping into another version of yourself that doesn't view these things as problems, even if a temporary like bing back up into problem field, mm-hmm. there's like the evidence that you're building to support the fact that you can step into that, even if it's just for like an hour, the fact that you could even do that, then you just stretch it out. Yeah. One of the concepts that I teach is learning how to and recognizing when you're living in problemville versus living in the land of possibility. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who struggle with our weight and struggle with eating our emotions and overeating, we spend a lot of time in problemville. Like 99.9% of our day is spent in problemville and that's essentially when you just see everything as a problem. Like everything from like your weight is a problem to your kids are a problem to your the things you're working on at work is a problem to like the windows are dirty is being a problem. Like everything is a problem. And when you're under like that chronic stress, which is just caused by your thinking, mm-hmm. you find yourself with the BLTs, the bite slicks and the taste, the little quits along the way. And you just end up eating a little bit more food than you need to. So part of the work is recognizing when you're in problemville and then, okay, hey, I'm in a problemville. I'm aware How do I now move myself to the land of possibility? Even if it's just for like 5% of your day. Mm -hmm. But every single day you can hit that mental reset button and you can say, okay, I'm going to like try to live in the land of possibility, maybe 10% of the day today. So it's just making that daily progress out of Problemville and more so into the land of possibility. 100% agreed. And I think that where you're able to really see that transformation and transition is through just like the daily, like self-coaching on the weight. And, you know, what are the intentional models you're looking to create? And what are the default ones that you're still learning to work from? And then just processing the emotions. I think for me, the feelings of the anxiety of feeling like, I'm never going to get there or, you know, the doubt, I guess. And then just, you know, trying to create like a really complex way of like, I don't want to say like losing weight, but like transforming my relationship with my body is something that continues to be like the journey. Right. And I think that there's a lot of self-compassion I have really found in myself for realizing that this is not like a quick fix. I've made so many strides. And then there's this, we talked about like Amy version 2.0 and really just like learning more and more about her and knowing that who she is, is amazing. And who I was, was amazing. And it's just that I am just stepping into this other version that has this collection of thoughts around my body in particular that are deeply rooted in self-love. Sadly, I don't think that I identified with that probably a year ago. Like, I don't want to say I didn't like myself because I don't think that's what it was, but I just felt like, gosh, this shouldn't be such an issue. Like, why is this such a problem? Like Mm -hmm. that kind of default thinking. And now I'm like, this is a hundred percent not a problem. (laughs) Yeah. That was my thought for decades. Like, this is a problem. I'm a very smart person. Why can't I figure this weight thing out? Like, I'm reading all the books, I'm doing all the plans, I'm buying all the stuff, I'm doing all the workouts. Like, why am I still struggling with my weight? And I felt like every time that I would try to lose weight and fail to lose the weight or keep it off, it was just like chipping away at my self-esteem. And it was just chipping away at my view of who I was. And that is that self-love piece or lack of self-love. And there was a lot of judgment there, but it came across as a sneaky self-sabotaging thought. It wasn't like I woke up in the morning and I was like, Jennifer, you suck. It was never that, Uh (laughs) never that, that bold, but it was a sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts that would come across the day. Like, oh, come on now. Like Uh you should know better. Don't you eat that thing? Like, why did you eat that thing? Right. And that just constant self-berating. 
but understanding eventually that there's nothing wrong with where I am, no matter where I am in my journey. Like that was a huge game changer for me. Mm -hmm. Knowing that I can be okay, no matter where I am, like it's okay. Mm -hmm. That minute right there, I was like, oh, this is that self-love, body confidence stuff that I talk about. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. And from that oh. point on, I was like, never again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would say at this point, I feel like I'm very much still on the journey. And I mean, there were things I remember when we first started talking and you would ask, okay, do you have sort of like this destination weight? And I still don't have it. And it's not because I'm not willing to commit to it. But it's because like, I just want to like be in the present moment with where I am right now and not feel like I need to be in a rush and hurry to get to that other place, which is, again, anytime I would set a, like a weight loss goal, it would be like, okay, how fast can I get there? Mm -hmm. And I think for me personally, when it comes to, I think just about everything in my life at this point, honestly, but particularly the weight loss, slowing down is super important for me, like really just taking a breath, seeing all the things. And I feel like in the pursuit of like the ultimate goal into where I ultimately want to be just really taking inventory of where I am right now and not being in a rush to get there. I was talking to my husband the other day about this. And I was like, you know, if this was my weight for the rest of my life, I'd be okay with that. I don't think it is, but like, I would be completely fine with that, which Again, never like before our work together, could I thought that I would sit here and not be in, because in my brain, I'm like, you should be 50 pounds lighter than you are, which is just also really strange to me. But that was like an old, really old thought. And I think it's an old thought from like the upbringing of, you know, you should be a size two. And Mm -hmm. I'm just not. (laughs) you want to be a size two now, Amy? No, I just want to, like, I'm happy being me. Like, I just think that it's more of like, can I be me and feel comfortable within me and have my own back? So it's not so much about the number as much as it's about the self-love. Like it really has become more about that transformation rather than let's like get ourselves to this weight loss goal. And that's just sort of like an added benefit. If I end up being 20 pounds lighter than I am now as a result of that, great. And great if I'm not, because I love myself unconditionally, which is not something that I felt was familiar really up until probably like in the last couple of years. Like I really feel like I've done a lot of work around like why when you're talking about like the self berating, just the inner self critic. I mean, she can be a mean girl to like the nth degree. And I think it's interesting because if you think about your upbringing and your like middle school, high school, who are just like the quote unquote, like mean girls. And then when you really took a step back and I looked at, I was like, I am a meaner girl than any of them were on their worst day. Mm -hmm. And I think like, gosh, that's not okay. That's no longer acceptable. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? we are much meaner to ourselves than we would ever be to another human being, Mm -hmm. which is the craziest thing. But I'm so happy to hear about your relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. Like that was the missing piece for you. The weight loss, the 15 pounds that you lost was like a nice added benefit, but you came to create this self-love for yourself and create this new relationship with your body because you were working on your weight loss goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just what I call the magic in the middle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but how was your experience? You've lost 15 pounds and you've kept it off for yes. a while, a couple months mm-hmm. now, right? Yep. Okay. What would you say you learned about this process in losing weight without being on a diet versus all the times you were on a diet? I would say that I want to tell you like very like tactical things. I want to start there and then see where we go. So the thing is, is I weigh myself daily still. And I, I used to not like that at all. I love that now, not because I'm like, Oh, let me look at my progress, but more of like the fact that this is not a triggering situation is like this 
huge milestone for me. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is that particularly, you know, the season that we're in right now, I make decisions ahead of time about my food. And again, I used to do sort of like, a, oh, I'm just going to eat on the fly and, and all of that. Whereas like, I don't do that anymore. And that's really empowering because when I choose to eat something that maybe more of like a fun food category, I don't make that mean that, oh, you better go do this, you know, in order to get that weight off or anything like that. I just, I decided ahead of time, this is what I was going to do. So like that kind of intention is fantastic. And then I also want to say like, so as I mentioned before, I was a competitive swimmer. I was a long distance swimmer and I swam like partially through college. And then once I stopped doing that, I got into running and I would train running marathons. So like I had this very competitive nature within myself. And so one of the things that I also always thought that I was going to do is I'm going to track my food. I'm going to do my thought downloads. I'm going to weigh myself every day and I'm going to work out every day. And I'm going to all together create this result. And I still have not created a exercise practice. And I'm telling that because for me, exercise is still very much still rooted in competition Mm -hmm. and like competing and training. And so Mm -hmm. once I realized that that is still, I'm working on making exercise just be exercise and not, oh, we're going to compete. And that I would say as well, but again, trying to not like check all the boxes and just sort of like be in the moment and just saying, okay, I weigh myself every day. I've created that consistency. Okay. I make decisions ahead of time. I've created that consistency. I do my thought downloads. I do that consistently and really just honoring that process for myself and then just saying, okay, what is it that I want to fold in this time as part of like the total journey and not trying to like just overhaul it all at once. Love that you said that because I think the place where most people miss and they fail when it comes to losing weight is they try to do all the things at once. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, I got to overhaul my eating. I got to start this brand new workout plan. I got to like drink a gallon of water every day or I'm going to start going to the gym every day. Like we overload ourselves with everything we think we need to do to lose the weight. And mind you, they're all like operating from an action line. Mm -hmm. There is no change in the mindset. And so you can do all those things, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe some of y'all are like, can do it for a month. But at some point in time, life is going to happen. Situations is gonna, are going to come up. Travel happens, vacation happens, illness happens. It's going to throw you completely off your schedule and you're going to lose momentum. You're going to lose your willpower to keep doing the thing. And when you try to do it again, you're not going to be able to. It's going to be very, very difficult because you haven't changed your mindset. Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that you were like, let me just layer these activities as I'm working on my thought process every single day to like make this something that is just part of who I am and what I do. Mm -hmm. And let me just do it over time. There's no rush. I'm not competing against myself to like hit this goal or hit this number by a certain time, I'm just going to keep working on it. And that is the weight loss journey. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely, Absolutely. It's interesting because my husband and I, like my husband has lost, I think 70 pounds since like 2019. And he like, have this, we have a rowing machine and he's like super into it. And he works out every single day. And I love that for him. Like, I love that so much for him. And I love Mm -hmm. what I'm doing too. And I think we're so supportive of each other. There is occasion. He's like, are you going to start rowing again? And then he'll make jokes of like, you'll get on that machine and you'll like kick my butt like immediately. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But like, I think when I find myself, you must do this and like shitting all over myself about anything. But when it comes to this in particular, that's when I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that because It's so easy. I feel like it creates that like slippery slope of like, let's slide into that old dieters mentality of like shooting and restriction and like very much that dieters mindset. And I'm like, no, like I've left that Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. I am like moving on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Undieted your brain. Yes. We have left that bus. 
We have. Maybe I'm like no longer like on the back seat throwing stuff at the front of the bus. Like maybe I've moved up towards the front of it. Like my exit is coming up. What I will say is I get off the weight loss struggle bus. I'm like, yes, get me off immediately. And now I'm like, well, if I'm on it, I'm on it with amazing people that I've met in your community. And I'm okay with it because I feel like there's like that supportive community that everybody's there to support and cheer each other on, no matter where you are in your journey, whether you're like making massive results and progress towards like where you want to go, or you've slipped in like you're back on, you know, like I'm okay with being on the bus as long as I'm like in intention and have the awareness around where I am and not picking up habits that I just don't think are of use to me. Yeah. Well, maybe it's not, you're no longer on the struggle bus. You're just on the journey bus with everyone else taking a ride. (laughs) And there are people who are getting on, there are people who are getting off, but it's a much more pleasant experience because everyone Mm -hmm. is in the same mindset and we're all supporting each other. I think the community is like one of my favorite things about the program is that all of the women in the group are just they're just amazing. They're amazing human beings. And they're just so supportive of everyone and just cheering each other on. I mean, I've said this on the podcast before, but like we have cried together on group coaching calls. <laughs> we have laughed together. We celebrate together. We celebrate every week in the group. It's just an amazing place to be. And this is how you create a weight loss journey that is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's no longer a problem. It's no longer a struggle. Right. Well, and I think the other thing is that I am definitely someone just consistently who like jumps in and then life happens. And then I might like jump out and then I'll come back in. But the thing I love about it is that it's like you never left. You're just sort of like, okay, you're popping back in. I think that's like the true hallmark of a community where you don't have to be every day in it you can be like every day in it for like two months and then leave for a week and you can come back in and no one's like, you don't belong here because you don't do blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like more of like, oh, so excited to have you back. Yeah, Mm -hmm. welcome. Mm -hmm. Come get what you need. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Because I know we were coaching like through the summer and you went on vacations and, Mm -hmm. you know, life was happening as you're Mm -hmm. going through this process. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that was for you as you were making decisions when you were traveling or even like, you know, when the pandemic started to be over and things started opening up and it's like, oh, we get to go out to eat again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about your thought process there? Well, it was interesting because I feel like the week before I went on vacation, we had had, you're like, what is your plan? And I'm like, to go on vacation. (laughs) Like, that was it. And then like, you were like, no, 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 let's create a plan. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so I remember, I will tell you, I felt really insecure about doing what I'm about to tell you to do. And yet I am so excited that I did. And I brought my scale with me. And my husband's like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, I really love this daily check-in that I have with myself. And I said, this is really important. And then it was also like, what is the intention? Meaning that, do I want to be maintaining? Am I okay with like gaining weight? And what would that look like? Or do I want to continue to work towards losing weight? And just walking into that two-week vacation with those intentions, I think really helped create an amazing outcome for me, which was like, I maintained my weight. There was two days where I had like gained weight. I think if I did not have the plan in place, I would have made that think like, oh, game on, let's just add another 10 pounds to it. Why not? Whereas I was like, oh no, I made these decisions ahead of time. You know, we planned where we were going. So like I knew the different like menu options I was going to choose. And so I just took what I was doing home with me on vacation. And again, I didn't make it mean anything other than this is what I do. This is not a problem. And I'm so grateful because again, I set my intentions and I honored them and I loved all my reasons for them. And I loved myself through the entire process, which I know that I've never went on our annual summer vacation 
and didn't walk away with like gaining 10 pounds. Like I'm not kidding. And I just maintained my weight, which was just unreal. Yeah. I love that. I think most people two week vacation means like, Oh, game on. We're just going to eat all the things and deal with it when we come back home, even though we're feeling miserable. Mm-hmm. But when you go with a plan and I've done many a podcast and I've talked about vacation planning before, it makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Like I just came back from a week in Kentucky. I was in Louisville for a week traveling for business. I take my scale with me. Like it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, let me just see where I am. And you just make decisions as you're going along. It's just like, it's what I do. It's put my scale right in my suitcase. It fits perfectly. It's not a problem. Exactly. No. And I, I loved that because again, I remember like I was like very sheepish about taking it with me, but I'm so happy that I did because I felt like the benefits were just so great for me to say like, you can go on vacation, you can have fun, you can make decisions and eat fun foods and you can create, like you can maintain the intentions that you have, whether it's losing weight, gaining weight, keeping your weight, whatever you want to do, all of that is on the table, but it really starts with like, again, the intention and like planning ahead of time. And that's just something I never considered up until last summer when I went on vacation. Did you feel at any point on vacation that you were like depriving yourself or, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat this? No, no. If anything, it was interesting because there were some nights. So there's this place that we go to and it's got like the best fried chicken. It's so good. And I was like, this is what I'm having. And we'll go there a few times. And then like, you'll have like a Sunday, like a big Sunday after. And I had made a decision. Okay. I'm going to get the fried chicken and I'm going to get the Sunday. And then I think we went there like two other times over the course of those two weeks. And I didn't feel compelled to get the Sunday. And I actually don't think that I even got the fried chicken the other two times, but it wasn't because I was like, oh, you can't have it. But more of just sort of, I felt whole with the time that I did and I didn't need to have them even more. But again, like, I feel like I was just that way of making decisions and like that mindset that was not within like my purview prior to this past vacation. It's part of the undieting of the brain, right? It's like, Oh, you're giving yourself permission to eat anything you want. There is no good food. There is no bad foods. When you give yourself permission to eat the fried chicken, it's like, Oh, I'm eating the fried chicken. And then it's like the mystique and the the desire to eat that thing is just gone. It's like, oh, I just had some fried chicken. Like, oh, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I love it. So as we wrap up, mm-hmm. I know we've talked a little bit about, you've alluded to like where you're going to go from here, mm-hmm. but where are you going to go? <laughs> so we're recording this in January and I have set a weight loss goal of 10 pounds by the end of the year. So 12 months. Yep. I love it. Which is like, when you think about it, it's like less than a pound a month. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I can totally do that. And just, and it's more of, I think, I'm very curious about where this next part of my journey takes me is that taking all the thoughts and the tools and the concepts that you've bestowed upon me through our time together And then like really using them, but using them in a different way. I do think that the whole exercise thing will come into play. Like I do think it it is, but I think it's going to be a lot of experimenting and trial and error because I knew I was competitive, but to the extent of like how much I was treating my 43-year-old body, like it was training as a 20-year-old, I'm not going to go compete and like a swimmy. <laughs> I'm just going to <laughs> right. I'm just going to work out just so that I like can move my body and I like all of all me my reasons for that. So I really feel like that's sort of like the next level of work. And then I think the other piece of it again, I feel like for me, like I've gotten the food stuff. I feel like I've got a really good handle on that, if you will. But I think there's like the other items that kind of come along with food, which is sort of like. I'm trying to create super intention around my sleep schedule, water consumption, 
And I know that these are very like A-line things, but I think that these are the action items, but it's more of like, what are the thoughts that I'm having and really starting to uncover what's going on here that's driving this feeling, that's driving this action of, you know, like the water drinking. Like if I don't drink my water, what am I making that mean? Or why do I have to be so critical of myself if like my intention is to drink a hundred ounces of water and I'm not creating that result? like really kind of unpacking what that is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's sort of like next level thought work that will create a result of like 10 pounds lost. But I think it would be after like really examining like these manuals that I have for myself as to like, what's an appropriate sleep schedule? What is an appropriate exercise schedule? And what is like the appropriate water consumption? What do you say to the person who's listening to the podcast and they're like 10 pounds, 12 months, like no way. Because most of the people who come to the boot camp who listen to the podcast are like fast, 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 the faster I can lose the weight, the better. What do you say to that person who's like, I could never take 12 months to lose 10 pounds? What this is all about for me is every pound that I lose what that means is that I have created a deeper relationship with myself so that that pound is not gained back again due to not caring for myself or Mm -hmm. like not having my best interest or doing it in like a self-sabotage way. And so 10 pounds for 12 months, these next 10 pounds are going to be pounds where I'm going to create like a deeper love and self-trust and have my own back. And that's going to be some deep work for me. And so like, I'm all in if it takes 12 months. I mean, if it takes two months, yes. like amazing, but I'm all in for my intention is, is 12 months. Because again, I'm so familiar with the rush and hurry mm-hmm. mindset of weight loss. Like if I want to lose 10 pounds in two months, I probably can do it. And I'm probably going to be pretty miserable. And I'm going to make everybody around me very miserable. And I just, Mm -hmm. I've been there, done that. I like have the souvenir and I don't want that souvenir anymore. Like this is how I'm planning to do it. And so I guess I would say to the person, like, are you all in for it to take 12 months knowing that it could very much take less or take more? And that's where I think it's like the goal is clean when like, Mm -hmm. I'm still going to pursue it regardless if we're talking a year from now and you're like, what happened? Like, did you do it or not? Because I know I'm going to learn things about myself along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's what I tell my boot campers, right? Because they set that 30 day goal and some of them get real disappointed. We're getting the last week. They're like, I don't think I'm going to make my goal. And I'm like, are you going to give up now? Everything Mm -hmm. that you've learned, are you going to give up now just because you don't hit it by this date? Or are you just going to keep going? Mm -hmm. And that's when I always say like your goal is inevitable as long as you don't quit. So you're just giving yourself a beautiful amount of space and time Mm -hmm. to take that pressure off that you are prone to doing this differently and knowing that this weight loss is the permanent weight loss. Like this is it. And if it takes you 12 months to lose 10 pounds, the last 10 pounds, like so be it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Good. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Amy, I can't believe we've been talking for almost an hour. Like how that went by very quickly. It did. It did. I mean, wasn't even paying attention to what time it was or anything like that. Cause I feel like it's just been such a fun conversation. And I don't think I've ever recorded. I do lots of different podcasts. I've never recorded about like my weight loss journey. So this has just been fun because I will say, I do think it's incredibly relatable. Mm-hmm. Like, especially again, if you're someone in your 30s and 40s who grew up the same time frame, I mean, I don't know. You got some stuff to unravel. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And this process can help you unravel it permanently. Yes. Yes. I love it. So we're going to put your information in the show notes, but you want to just like shout out your IG or your website in case. And I forgot, you don't work just with coaches. You work with entrepreneurs. Yeah. So... Okay. I work with mostly service-based business owners. So if you have a service-based business, I work with digital marketing companies, like group health practices all over the gamut and coaches. But my website is myvirtualcfo.co. 
my handle on Instagram is at my virtual CFO. And I have a lot of great things happening. If you are a business owner who is just starting out and avoids their financials, you know, definitely keep my website a uh, friend of mine because I have a really awesome program that I'm getting ready to launch in March. I've been hearing you talk about it. So I can't wait to see when the big reveal happens. Mm -hmm. But I do have to say publicly, Amy is on my success squad. She has helped me immensely with the financial side of running the business. I just love the coaching. Mm -hmm. I coach all day, want to help my people and create content, but you can't just ignore the numbers. And it's interesting because I'm sure those of you who are, who are trying to lose weight, who are currently on the weight loss struggle bus, you may be ignoring your weight and you may be ignoring your finances in the same way. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very similar mindset. Exactly. And also I would say to that is that, again, a lot of the things that I have learned from you, Jennifer, and have applied to my weight loss journey are definitely transferable to like the money stuff, as mm -hmm. well as like to do anything. Like if you want to create a financial goal, like that is always available to you. But there are things that really have an intentional relationship with money instead of like an avoided relationship with money. I feel like that's the pathway. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love it. Getting mm -hmm. those thoughts in order. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. and. When you lose the next 10, let us know. Okay. Maybe we'll have you back. We'll talk right. about that part of your journey. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. See ya. Bye-bye. Hey, hey, hey. Before you go, I have one more thing for you. If you like today's episode and want to learn more about the Stop Dieting Forever lifestyle, I have a free weight loss guide for you at jenniferdent.com forward slash stop dieting forever. In it, you'll discover the four things you must try before you give up on your weight loss goal. Go to jenniferdent.com forward slash stop dieting forever to request your free copy. What do you have to lose but some weight? Go to jenniferdent.com forward slash stop dieting forever right now. Don't put it off until later. Decide your health is worth the time now. Go to jenniferdent.com forward slash stop dieting forever to discover what you can do to really stop dieting forever.